Hey there, it's Rob from the Grim Tidings Podcast, here to tell you all about Wizard World. Con season is upon us, and Wizard World is going across the country. And where better to kick things off than in my hometown of Portland, Oregon? April 13th, 14th, and 15th, Wizard World Comic Con is coming to the Oregon Convention Center in Portland, featuring Jason Momoa from Game of Thrones, Sebastian Stan from Captain America, Michelle Nichols from Star Trek, Bonnie Wright from Harry Potter, and many, many more. Wizard World Comic Con events bring together thousands of fans of all ages to celebrate the best in pop culture, movies, television, gaming, live entertainment, comics, sci-fi, graphic novels, toys, original art, collectibles, contests, a dedicated kids zone, and much more. And Grim Tidings podcast listeners can save 20% on tickets to the Portland show. Just use the promo code GRIM20 in the checkout. That's GRIM20, and kids 10 and under are free with a paid adult. Get your tickets at wizardworld.com slash comic-con slash Portland. That's wizardworld.com slash comic-con slash Portland. It's Wizard World Comic-Con, April 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Oregon Convention Center in Portland. Let me talk to the storytellers for a second. You know who you are. Crafting a story that captures the imaginations and the hearts of your audience is no small task. Stacks of notes, timelines, maps, character profiles. The architecture of storytelling can be a daunting prospect. Introducing Archivos, the story development tool for today's storytellers. With Archivos, storytellers don't just document the characters, places, and events of their stories. They define the relationships between those story elements and then visualize those connections through unique story mapping interfaces like the living map, the timeline, and the story web. By giving storytellers the ability to see and interact with that network of story elements, Archivos helps ensure story comprehension and continuity, while providing a dramatic and engaging way for fans to explore the story worlds they love. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. If you love the authors you've heard on the Grim Tidings podcast, then you'll love Grim Dark Magazine. Interviews, articles, reviews, and the premier magazine for grimdark fiction by authors such as Mark Lawrence, R. Scott Baker, Deborah Wolf, and more. Get knee-deep in grit. Log on to grimdarkmagazine.com. This is author Raymond V. Feist. Hi, this is R. Scott Baker. This is Anthony Ryan. The Grim Tidings Podcast welcomes Delilah S. Dawson to the show. Delilah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is literary agent Mark Gottlieb from Trident Media Group. This is David Anthony Durham. Hi, this is Melanie Metters. Hi, this is Brian Stavely. Hello, this is Jesse Bullington slash Alex Marshall. Hi, this is Jeff Salyard. Hi, this is Michael R. Fletcher. The Grim Tidings Podcast proudly welcomes Stephen Erickson to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this.
It's the Grim Tidings Podcast, Grim Conversations. I'm joined by past guests Michael R. Fletcher and Aneth Smith-Spark. Here on the show today, we're bringing everybody an update because why the hell not? Um, there are a couple of cool grimdark authors we've had on the show. It's been a few months. They've got lots of cool things going on-ish, and we're going to bring them on to discuss what they've got going on, latest projects, newest books, and things like that. Talk about some grimdark, uh, maybe some writing, some authory stuff. Uh, talk about writing, concluding books. We'll just see what happens. We've got uh, both Mike and Anna on the show today, and I'm more delighted to have them on. Uh, both of you, welcome to the show today. Hi. Hi. I've got gentlemanly Michael, and then I've got... Uh, a tablet, tablet light here. <laughs> it's going to be a very civilized conversation, I'm, I'm sure, here today. Michael, you're the author of uh, Beyond Redemption, the uh, Manifest Illusion series, uh, Ghosts of Tomorrow. Anna Smith-Spark, you're the author of the debut novel, The Court of Broken Knives. First off, Anna Smith-Spark will talk to you and just catch up with you. How are things going and uh, what's been going on with you since we uh, talked with you just a few months ago here on the podcast? Things are going wonderfully. Yeah, no, um, I've just, we've just finished up the final copy edits on The Tower of Living and Dying, book two of Empires of Dust. And I'm writing book three at the moment, which is not as much fun as writing book two and book, book one and book two was. But yeah, so um, things are going really, really quite well. Um, Called Broken Knives has just come out in the UK and Australia and other worldwide places in paperback. And I have been nominated for what I always thought was pronounced the Gemmel Award, but is, it is. Rub's just it wrong. is. It is the Gemmel. <laughs> I know the Gemmel Award. Fucking the Gemmel Americans. Award. You say Gemmel. <laughs> I say Gemmel. Okay. <laughs> it's been nominated for the Gemmel Award Yay. for. <laughs> Best debut for 2017, so which is really exciting, and for best cover as well, which is really exciting as well. Although, if it wins best cover, and I get to say my yeah, my book won an award, but it didn't win an award for a single word I wrote in it, I will be fucking pissed off. <laughs> Just folks know, voting is still going to be open when this uh, podcast yes, drops. Yes, yes, go to your computers now and go and vote for my book for best debut 2017 and best cover in the Gemmel or Gemmel Awards. Gemmel Awards. So we got the link in the show notes for that as well. So head over, vote for Anna, vote for the Morning Star Award for the Court of Broken Knives, and then we've got the Raven Heart. Is Raven it? Cry. Raven Cry, I think. Is it Raven Heart or Raven Cry? Raven something. Well, the Morning Star Award itself is a statuette of a topless bloke holding two morning stars. So... Very oh, I feel I need this in my life. Yeah, I need this mm-hmm. in my life. Absolutely. <laughs> I need more naked men having more stars in my life. Everyone, but for me. Keep it in classy. Anna Smith-Spark. And then the uh, <laughs> Ravenheart Award is for the uh, best cover, and you're nominated for that as well. We don't, we're not as, as, as caring about that as much as – it's a great cover, of course, uh, and you can vote for that. But we want the Morningstar Award for Anna because she wrote a great book, so you should go vote for that right now. And then, Mike, did you get nominated this year or uh, – uh, Hold on. Wait. Uh, let me check. Wait. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, nothing. I don't think I put anything out uh, that qualifies for for a Gemmel. Um, they don't do self-published stuff. And I think 2017. I think I released two books, but they were both self-published. So, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> So, okay, well, Anna got on there, and so you vote for her, and then, um, so that's fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. I did vote for her, actually. Awesome. I already oh, got my Oh, thank you. Oh. So folks have until uh, March 30th to get their keisters over to uh, gamelawards.com to vote for Anna as well. So, uh, congrats. Anything else going on with you, Anna? Anything new and exciting in the uh, world of Anna Smith's work? Uh, not really. Um, actually, well, I've gone back to my day job three times a week as a civil servant, which is um, about as dark as grim as you can possibly get. It's, um, 
<laughs> my cynicism levels are just through the roof again. So um, it's, it's why I go to work. It's um, people sort of say I've had so two people who've been special forces say to me that the conversation in chapter two between in broken knives between the grunge of mercenaries is like they're like that's the most authentic conversation between you know a bunch of special forces guys out in the desert at night without a fuck clue where they're going. Everything's going completely to hell, and it's like they look at me and say, "No offense, but I don't look like the kind of person who's ever been in special forces. How do I know?" It's like, well, that's that's just like everyday office shit. That's why I go to work to hear people <laughs> talking like that, and I just type it up, and there we go. And then, Mike, anything uh, new going on with you? You got some uh, a few projects that you're working on currently, right? Yeah. So I, I went a little nuts in 2017. I wrote three books, pretty much back to back, banged out three novels, uh, which now has put me in editing hell. Uh, so my agent read City of Sacrifice, the first one. She had a lot of suggestions, some changes and rewrites and stuff. Uh, basically too long, spent too much time sort of world building crap. Um, so I've been rewriting the crap out of that, cutting it down, making it a lot crisper. Uh, and while I'm working on that one, she's reading, uh, The Obsidian Path. And then I've got the third one, uh, The Millennial Manifesto which I haven't even started editing yet. So I'm basically, I'm going to be editing probably all of 2018. I, I have no idea if I'm going to write anything this year or if I'm just going to exist in editing hell. Um, I love editing. I love editing. I, I, I do too. Yeah. It's just, it's when it's, when it goes on forever, I, oh, you know, yeah. that like editing three books back to back and it, like, I'm just, I, I edit fast, but because I, I write so fast, there's so much fucking editing I have to do. Like the books, my first drafts are so bad, so horrendously bad. Um, you know, so I, I actually I spend more time editing than I do writing. So that's that's uh, that's me for the rest of the year. So I I have no plans. You know, I don't know when stuff's going to come out. Uh, I don't know if publishers will pick up any of these books. I don't know if I'll self-publish them. I'm I'm kind of thinking I'd like to traditionally publish one and self-publish one, uh, and then who knows what happens with the third. What gives you that inclination to stay self-pub? Uh, I I like the the control, um, being able to sort of like pick the artist and typographer I'm working with, you know, get exactly the cover I want. So I'm like, I'm a, I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, and I like the fact that I can put a, a book, you know, fairly quickly. Like if I decide to self-publish one of these, I'll have it out before 2018 is up. Um, if, uh, one of them is getting traditionally published, you probably won't see it until late 2019. It's just, that's, that's the business, right? You know, they're, they got a lot going on. It moves slowly. Would you see part uh, so, part of the reason you're continuing to self-publish is because you were so successful so, so successful in your first venture out? I thought you were going to say so sexy. So, and so sexy. <laughs> as well. So sexy is a very sexy. In my first <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I there there are so many self-published authors, you know, like who are actually successful at this, uh, which I'm not. Um, but it's the books make money. Uh, you know, the they they earned out what i spent on authors and editing and uh, authors uh artists and editing and stuff so like i'm i'm happy to me that's that's success you know they make money every month i get a little uh you know i get checks from create space and amazon so it's cool yeah just uh, it, it seems like a, a good idea to sort of like tread that that hybrid line 
you know, keep both things going. Anna Smith Spark, have you thought about doing hybrid or anything? Since we're on this, this subject, we'll have more subjects, I'm sure, here. But just while we're talking about self publishing and hybrid, have you considered any sort of hybrid path for your publishing, or are you just going to stay tradish? So I'm, re- I'm really happy with my publisher. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm coming to the end of the trilogy, I'm writing the third book at the moment. And then after that, I that's the contracts for three books. So I have no idea what is going to happen after that. I have lots of ideas I like to go through, but obviously it depends. I'd love to stay with them and do some more stuff, but it all depends. And I put a couple, I put a short story up on my website for Christmas and that kind of stuff, like putting sort of little weird, weird shit out on my website that's to do with the world is quite, I like doing that, but I don't know. I mean, I'm quite happy. I, I could, oh, it's so much work, the self-publishing. I'm just, I, I see what Mike means because um, it is kind of frustrating, like the long waits and the kind of, I mean, I'm lucky. I really like both my, my US and my UK cover, but I'm a complete control freak as well. I've, I, if I could do it myself, I can see exactly how I do it. And I, but it's just so much work, but no, I'm quite happy with my publisher. We'll have to, we shall see. We shall see what, what happens. And if folks wanted to check out that story, remind us what your website is, Anna. It's courtofbrokenknives.org. And then we're still waiting on. Uh, so you've got the first trilogy that you've signed with your publisher, and you're you don't yep. have anything signed beyond that. No, no, I've got to see. Um, right, once I finish book three, we shall see. We'll see what happens. And um, yeah, I mean, I I have got I've got ideas for more more stories set in that world. So um, the, the trilogy finishes. I keep I keep telling people like it, it does finish. It I've, I've actually written the final, the ending. I know how it ends and it ends and the third book is is probably the third book and it finishes and it will be published because I'm writing it. But um, I would like to do more stuff. I I want to do more stuff in the world. I just want to create. I want to do a lot. There's so much more stuff you can do in the world I've created. But we shall see what happens. I, it depends on my publisher. And then, so you you wrote book three, and we actually discussed a little bit uh, before the podcast uh, just how much it's kind of sucking to write book three, and how much uh, <laughs> that experience can be uh, tumultuous, so to speak, for both you, Anna, and for you, Mike. So, what's what's the difficulty with uh, writing that concluding chapter, uh, uh, Mike? What was the difficulty for you? Uh, I mean, for me, it's it's a uh, it's pressure. I, I I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, you know, it's a it'll be a self published book, um, so I have no deadline. There's no publisher leaning on me. But the reaction to Beyond Redemption and and even more so Mirror's Truth has been insane, like phenomenal. And the people who like it really, really That's fucking they like are it. Phenomenal. They are just fucking phenomenal books. They well, are just you. awesome. They are awesome. I love them. But now, see, I'm terrified of like letting those people down Don't and shit putting the out this sort of like Okay, okay, they're shit books. Book. They're really fucking shit books. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and so I'm looking at like finishing this, this story. And let's face it, the story is like a little nuts. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I just, it, I, you know, I, I keep starting and then just feeling like I'm, like I'm calling it in, you know, like I'm just sort of faking it and it's, it's not moving me. And, you know, and if it's not awesome, then, then I'm not really interested in, in doing it. Uh, so I've kind of, I've started, I don't know, two or three times I've started writing the last book. I, I kind of, I know the story. I want to tell. I just I don't know the details, and so I've I've, I've scrapped probably sixty thousand words of you know of text for my three starting attempts. So I've, I've hit the point where I've just I have to I have to step away. So you know I've, I've still got everything I've written. I'll read it over again, see if maybe it's less shitty than I think it is. But I'm gonna come back to this when I've got a got some some more brain space when you know I've got the current books edited and you know sort of out there. 
So when when I'm moved to to write it, the manifest delusions stuff, when when it feels right, then I'm going to do it again. I'm, until then, I'm I'm not even going to try. I think hmm. you need a nice cozy writing retreat. Like I, I do. My my, like my writing space has become strange. Like I do half my writing at my day job in this uh, in this warehouse. <laughs> Who are not listening uh, which to is, this podcast? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully <laughs> not. Uh, I don't, honestly, I don't think they care. Um, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm in a warehouse there in a windows. It's, it is grimdark. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not conducive to a, it's not a cozy little writing nook. Uh, but you know, you, you, you do, you do what you gotta do. Anna Smith-Bark, uh, writing the concluding volume uh, to your series. How has that fared for you? That, again, Cindy, I mean, actually, I've probably scrapped about 60,000 words as well. I'm, I've started it three times. It's, um, I mean, it's exactly what Mike was saying. It's like, this is, this is the culmination. This is, you know, this is kind of, this is my chance. This is the chance to say everything and, you know, sum it all up and express all the things you've been trying to convey in all the other books. And this is, and then you're like, and oh, that's it. That really, that thing I just wrote, that's, that's it. That's kind of. And I, I know, again, I know the story. I've got it there in my mind. And it's just so, it's just so fucking massive. And it's just so kind of, this is it. This is the really, you know, this is all that stuff in the other books. This is, it's all just the culmination of it. And then you just think, Christ, and that's it. That scrappy little scene is it. Like, ah. <laughs> and I mean, I've got, I've got really, I've, I've got kind of structural issues that I've got two different time zones. I've got two different time periods going on and things. And stuff because of the way books one and two panned out but basically it's like it is like like ah it's just there's just it is the pressure as well like some of the responses to broken knives have been amazing and some of them have been absolutely people either absolutely love it or absolutely hate it and that's just constantly in my head i don't i've been really not reading reviews and things but it's really hard not to feel on the one hand this massive pressure of people kind of saying how much they love the characters and how complicated the characters are and they love the relationships between the characters and other people just saying they, they absolutely fucking hate it. Someone took it back. Someone read two paragraphs on page one and went all the way back to the bookshop with it to take for a refund. Just, uh, they're lost. In respect to that guy for making that much effort. But um, and yeah, that all that pressure of kind of like I've got all this kind of weight of people saying, oh, they're so desperate. It's such an amazing. They're so desperate to read it. It's such an amazing book. And all these other people being like, fucking hell, this is the most fucking awful thing. And ah. <laughs> And I've got to somehow try and like do my big riposte to that, and it's just, and then you're just like, well, that's it, that that's it. <laughs> so it sounds like you you both have that genuine pressure to at least deliver to your audience a quality quality ending uh, to the series. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, you, you spend three books like building towards you know some this sort of epic culmination, hopefully. And you're like, uh, you know, is this going is an epic fizzle like? There's it's a it's a lot of stress and and I I didn't see it coming like a uh, book one I wrote with no expectations I I didn't even think I knew it would never get published because it was too crazy it was too fucked up too insane it'll never get published book two uh, was fun to write because I was like whatever you know I was like I got a publishing deal I'm gonna be a famous author <laughs> and then you know the publisher was like yeah no, no. <laughs> uh, but you know like I I was it was fun to write whereas this is like. This has been a slog. But the other stuff, like City of Sacrifice, Obsidian Path, they're a blast. They like they fell out of me. It was effortless. 
I want this to be effortless. A bit like, where do you, almost like, how far can you go? Because I'm like, I mean, similarly, you know, book one, I just like, I wrote that and I, di- I didn't think of it. I didn't think of myself as writing a novel. I didn't think of myself as writing a fantasy novel. I certainly didn't think of myself as writing a grimdark novel. And in fact, for ages, I think I don't, I think I talked about this last time I was on, for ages, I was like, I didn't write any, for, I didn't write any, any violence for ages because I was really scared if I'd write it. And then I started writing it and suddenly it was like this whole new world of amazingness opened up. So book one was just me completely just like, The Good Breaker Knives was just me completely just like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm just throwing words down and whoa. And then book two was kind of, whoa, I'm actually writing a novel. And I'm writing, like, I'm writing these like fairly extreme fight scenes and this is awesome. And book three is like, shit, where do I go from here? I mean, like, <laughs> I just, should I just write another fight scene? Should I just write another massive, fucking massive, really disgusting battle scene? And some more jokes about roast pork? And like, where do I go? What kind of... So, yeah, I mean, how do you top the ending of Storm and Steel? I mean, what, where, where do you go, man, Mike? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That, then that one. Uh, I <laughs> um, so let's talk about, uh, just for a second, I wanted to mention, um, since you're both on here, uh, you both appear in The Art of War anthology, which was just released by BookNest.eu, our good friend Petros over there. It's a uh, charity anthology for Doctors Without Borders. It's available now on Amazon. We'll throw the uh, link in the show notes. Uh, yeah. But both you, Mike, and you, Anna, both appear with some short fiction in that Art of War anthology. Anna, what's your story that's in that one? Okay, mine's called The the Fall of Terrain. It's not really a story. It's a kind of fragment. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of disaster. I kind of chucked it in thinking, oh, this would be a bit different. And then it didn't actually to me like hey people are actually going to be buying this book and looking at thinking like what the fuck it's um a young woman who's the ruler of a city narrating a sort of live action narrating her city being raised to the ground by evil enemy fighters and um just kind of her just kind of just her describing her city falling around the city falling into ruins around her and her agonizing over what she could and couldn't have done to save it and the fact that she couldn't have saved it it's um it's like the bleak bits of Broken Knives without any of the it's Broken Knives without any of the knob jokes. It's um just um yeah it's pretty it's pretty bleak and it's um uh, yeah it's um it's, <laughs> I mean I really like I really enjoyed writing it but it's it's not really a story it's definitely a kind of it's a kind of voice it's a voice from some of the kind of epic wars in Empires of Dust sort of piece rather than a little self self contained short story really wonderful so if uh, your fans wanted to get a, just another little piece of uh, fiction from uh, your story world. They can pick that up on Amazon. It's free to read on Kindle Unlimited. Yep. Um, and then, Mike, what's your short story that's in there? Uh, so mine is called uh, The Undying Lands. Petros asked me to to do a story for the anthology, and I, I flat out said no. I was like, no, I'm too busy. And then you basically pestered me until I gave in. And I was like, fuck, fine. <laughs> and he's like, okay, but you know, do a, like, a Manifest Illusion short story. And I was like, no. Um, so I didn't. Um, so Mark Lawrence, probably none of you have ever heard of, um, <laughs> is insanely, insanely annoying. Um, he writes, he cranks, he writes a book and then he doesn't really edit it and it's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much. And I fucking hate that. Um, cause I write a book and it's shit and then I spend like a year making it less shitty. Um, so I was like, I'm going to do a Mark Lawrence for this story. Uh, I'm going to write the story. I'm going to crank it out. I'm going to write this story and I'm not going to edit it. So I had this idea of, um, it, it's actually taken from a, like a role-playing campaign uh, I ran years ago. Um, the, the sort of the world building stuff. Cause I, I wanted to just cheat and sort of crank something out quick. So the idea was there's this, uh, sort of like area of land where a, a necromancer's spell went wrong 
And so now people, when you die there, you come back to life, you know, in this sort of like given little area. <clears throat> so, of course, some, you know, duke or king puts a coliseum there so people can fight to the death and come back and, you know, keep fighting. Um, so this young woman has been uh, sent to die in the coliseum um, because she accidentally stabbed someone to death who turned out to be important. And the deal is, if you manage to kill 10 people without yourself dying, you've earned your freedom. Uh, and, you know, she is this this sort of, um, you know, warrior type guy's 10th uh, opponent. And she's not at all, a, you know, a fighter or anything. So it's basically it's it's about that, her experience. But it's kind of cheeky. Um, you know, I, I think it's it, it's dark, but it's I think it's kind of funny as well. And I think I even managed to work in a bit like a little bit of a love story in there. Aww. Yeah. Cute. So, but I, I, I wrote it. Mm-hmm. I read it over once, uh, corrected a couple of typos, mm-hmm. and then sent it in. And um was promptly like, fuck, I really shouldn't have done that. That was probably a terrible story. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, just all doubt and, um, you know, pretty much right away couldn't remember what I'd written or whether it was any good. Um, and it felt weird because it, like a story without a there was no moral to it. And it was just like, uh, here's the thing that happened. But the response has been kind of amazing. So I, I guess it wasn't terrible. As per usual. It usually happens. Um, and yeah, pretty much every guest we've ever had on the show is in that anthology. Uh, R.J. Barker, Rob J. Hayes, uh, C.T. Phipps, Anna Smith-Spark, Ben Galley, Anna Stevens, Brandon Draga, pretty much Everyone who's anyone is in that Jerk analogy. Ashton. <laughs> Jerk Ashton. On of Satan. <laughs> that brings me to um actually our Patreon question might as well. It's patreon.com slash the Grim Tidings Podcast. For only three dollars a month, you can support the podcast and be a part of the Grim Dark community like never before. We had one listener submit a question, because uh, you can do that as part of a patron. You can submit questions before the interview and, and interact like never before. So again, drop by. Uh, but Dirk Ashton is actually uh, a member. He had a question for you. Um, he's in the group. He said, ask that bastard Fletcher, the fake Canadian, why he's so mean to Dirk. Like he doesn't know. <laughs> like he doesn't know. Uh, all right. Dirk Ashton is not what he pretends to be. He's got this whole, oh, I'm an English gentleman. It's a lie. It's a lie. He's not English. He's not even, he's not even American. He's not even American. He's, he's descended from some weird, like Basque royalty. Uh, (laughs) He was involved in the, in the, in the cookie trade in the the 1500s, smuggling cookies from the Aztecs up into uh, the new world. And anyway, it's a long story. He's descended from a sloth god, isn't he? He's part sloth, isn't he? He's got, he tends to like sloths. Even yeah, that's a lie. There's nothing. Oh, he's, he doesn't even like sloths. Oh. No, it's a lie. It's all a lie. Sloth. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that's. I could go on. You're a big meanie. And he he had one other follow up. He, he said, uh, "Ask Anna if she knows what the rotten Bristol Con contingent of authors has done with my fucking pants." Uh, P.S. Her book is coming up quick on my TBR. Can't wait to get stuck in. So hasn't even read your book yet, Anna. So. Yeah, I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted, Dirk. You haven't read my book and. Yeah. And I do not want to know what happened to your fucking pants. I just (laughs) (laughs) usually people take their pants off first. Also, Dirk. So uh, missing pants, still missing is the latest update. So, Um, and then a quick update: Uh, we did a little collaboration uh, back in the summertime. uh, We had an episode. We were. Uh, trying to promote a Kickstarter project uh, with our good friends at Grimdark Magazine and Dirge Magazine called Landfall. Um, it was a Kickstarter project. Unfortunately, did not get the uh, needed funding to get backed and get out in the world. And last update from Adrian Collins is that that project is most likely not 
going to happen, unfortunately. So good idea and process, but uh, motherfucker's dead in the water, as far as I can tell. But uh, hey, we tried. It was good. Um, but that's the latest update. Um, but I wanted to speak a little bit about collaboration. You two have worked just a, a little bit together since you're both kind of debut authors in the fantasy realm. Could you talk a little bit about maybe how you've uh, partnered up and uh, worked together as debut authors or collaborated or uh, worked together professionally as you're st- starting out in your career here? No. No, okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I blurb Mike's books and um, I basically Mike sends me books and okay. I say I really enjoy them, which is fantastic. I mean, you're not lying either. Um, you really like them. I'm not lying. Okay. No, I'm not lying. No, I'm not lying. Okay. Um no, I mean, it's great. I get to see advanced copies of the book and I get to say how much I love them. And um, and that apparently counts as like helping someone. Okay. And that's just, which is kind of cool. But um, I was so, I mean, I was so sad about Landfall because that would have been really fun. It was, um, and actually I think the two of us working together could have been really, really interesting. It could have just been completely unreadable, but it could have been really interesting. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so yeah, it, was, it was a cool really idea. Sad. A lot of neat stuff in there. But yeah. in, in terms of like Anna and I, you know, working together, I don't think it was ever like intentional. It's just like, you know, I read Court of Broken Knives and loved the book. And we, we kind of started, you know, talking online, like on Facebook and stuff. And, you know, I, I guess because we're fans of the same sort of stuff, you know, we just talk about it. And then having both been in the same place, uh, you know, when someone's looking for a little, a little signal boost, you, you do what you can. Yeah, no, you kind of. I mean, yeah, no, there's kind of one of the things I really love about the Grim Dark Writers and Readers group in Facebook is the way everyone is just really good friends. And it kind of feels like it just feels like that's a really, really like these are kind of some really good place to be. And these are my really great friends. And yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it just feels like we're all helping each other out because we're all so into the same stuff and want people to like it. I mean, I kind of people way more people should read Mike's books than do. I kind of. I agree. It really made me feel really sad when they didn't carry on with Harper Voyager. It was really sad. And, um, you know, I mean, more, more people should read them. And I, I'd work, try, just try my best to try and get people reading them because they're just so awesome. They're not. What really bugs me is when people have this idea about Grimdark is it's just like, you know, or like, you know, oh, you're, you just have make things really fucking horrible. But then in the end, it's all still the good guys win. And I mean, like, <laughs> oh, it's just so depressing and trite. And like, the fact that Mike just isn't like that. And that. Like, <laughs> You know, seriously thinking about proper idea, proper kind of seriously thinking about ideas, about actually making people think about kind of things, slightly more complicated things than, yeah, we're good. And yeah, these guys are bad. And yeah, and we're just going to do like, we're just going to rewrite stuff like the Wheel of Time, but we're going to make it like more violent. And like the fact that like, it's just so boring and just depressing and just unthinking. And and I just, I mean, actually I kind of found out, I remember when Mike, everyone was going on about, just before Beyond Redemption was first published and everyone was saying, about how it was completely uncompromising it was and it was like you know it wasn't trite and it wasn't morally safe and just thinking oh i need to read this and i need to force this guy to be friends because this just sounds amazing (laughs) (laughs) and i just do as i'm told so you know that's that's basically how that worked have either of you had any grief with grimdark per se since you've um, made your debuts being in that subgenre has it been a comfortable spot to be in or do you feel like it's a you've been typecast or anything like that yeah, I mean, no problems with Grimdark. The, the Grimdark crowd has 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 adopted me, which is awesome because nobody else has. 
um you know and it is it's an amazing community and you know like like anna said the uh, the grim dark readers and writers group on facebook i mean that's hands down my, my favorite you know facebook group i think i spend more time there than in any other facebook group you know but i i mean i i joke about being typecast um you know where everyone's like oh you can't fletcher's putting out another book it's going to be grimdark and it's like oh that's not necessarily true i mean it is true totally true the next three books are all pretty fucking dark <laughs> But it wouldn't have to be. I could technically maybe write something that wasn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. I'm not sure that I could, actually. Well, it's the kind of... Cause, I mean, it depends what you, you consider Grimdark to be. I mean, I know everyone has this, this debate it's all the time. And it kind of... But it's that kind of... Well, what do you mean it is? Do you mean kind of... It's just... It's a fantasy or science fiction novel with lots and lots and lots of violence. And kind of... Which seems kind of... Maybe I will not spend the rest of my life writing fantasy novels with lots and lots and lots of violence. Maybe I'll write other things. But if you'd say mean about things like... You know, it's about being cynical. It's about maybe thinking more, much more deeply about things like heroism and honour and good versus evil and thinking about people and actually how pretty fucking fucked up most people are and how the world is and how actually most people are probably you know most people actually probably are trampling on other people and life is pretty shit for most people and i don't you know that's kind of like i'm not going to write a book which doesn't confront those kind of things and confront the fact that most people are actually pretty selfish and but also trying to do the best for themselves and the people they care about and the kind of if you talk basically if you think think say that grimdark is kind of fantasy with deep moral complexity and deep cynicism then that probably is the kind of stuff i'm always going to be writing and kind of that that seems to be what sets grimdark right the kind of people who read the crystal grimdark community part as well is that we're actually I guess the most interesting people are the kind of people who see that and kind of get that and kind of, I mean, it's interesting because actually there's some other Facebook groups where you get way more kind of crap about people being really kind of nasty about women writers or there was sort of, you know, expressing much more kind of illiberal, sort of maybe puppyish kind of views. And people kind of say that, oh, Grimdark is so misogynistic, it's so kind of, it's so violent, it's so nihilistic, it's obviously, you know, these must be really nasty people. I've been on, I've been on, put on fucking panels to basically say that, oh, Grimdark is so misogynistic and horrible. And I'm sitting on the panel like, um, you're actually talking about me and my mates. <laughs> <laughs> and that's completely, you know, that's not true. We're actually, you know, as far as I can see, the most people kind of, you know, we don't have those. It's actually, it's the fact that we're intelligent enough to kind of see, see through everything and see, kind of see beyond kind of simplistic assumptions about goodness and about kind of morality and about the fact that we're not all good people we're trying to be people try to be good but we're not all good people and that's what kind of sets us apart so i don't think i'm ever going to stop writing that and just write something much more simple and simplistic and naive in its morality this may be kind of an abstract question but do you feel as being both proponents within the subgenre that you kind of have an influence in shaping um, how it develops and evolves from here does that make any fucking sense but since- yeah that makes sense yeah i, I, I don't know that's um I, I'm I'm not sure that enough people have heard of uh, me or read Beyond Redemption to to be influenced by it. Um, I would like to think that you know some some folks would read it and go, oh, I I could push fantasy somewhere a little bit different. You know, like uh, it. I think it not quite broke rules, but it you know it. I sort of ignored the usual, like, oh, here's my magic system, you know, here's my all my world building, and here's a quest, and now you have to travel over there and get the so-and-so, and then there's the big sword to beat the big bad guy at the end kind of thing. You know, it it's, 
I, I, I would have. Yeah. Now, see, now I'm just <laughs> fucking. No fucking idea. I, ho- that was deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, people will read it and sort of uh, it'll spawn some uh, some cool ideas. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you write a book and you put it out there, you hope people respond to it and it makes them think about things and makes them maybe think a bit deeper about things. So, um, oh, I wrote a blog post in the autumn about the Starks in Game of Thrones saying that I thought the Starks are kind of the villain of the piece in some ways. And I got completely, some people, I mean, some people were genuinely so fucking upset with me about that. People, <laughs> people were kind of like, and they didn't get, also they were kind of saying like, oh my God, if you think Ned Stark's the villain, then like, presumably that means you think Jeffrey's the hero. It's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm, I, I don't mean, that's the whole point. I don't mean there's like a villain and a hero. I just, but, and then other people kind of saying, actually, I was talking about Ned and how it's, he's a stupid, self-righteous, pompous ass. He goes on and on about his honour, which leads him to kind of, because, you know, it's so honourable to discover that you discover your alcoholic, fucked up, depressed best mate. Is, you discover his wife sleeping with her brother and that his children aren't actually his children and his, his wife's a complete slapper and his kids aren't his kids. So obviously the first thing to do is go and tell him all of this. Because <laughs> obviously, because your honour means that you have to completely destabilise whole fucking kingdom rather than live with something, rather than like not tell someone something that's going to completely destroy their whole universe. And a couple of people kind of, some people were so upset about this. And then a couple of people kind of like, actually, no, you're right. Kind of, whoa, I never even thought about it like that. Like the start, and Ed Stark isn't actually, you know, some shining paragon of wonderfulness. And actually kind of, you know, that kind of absolute sticking to lawful good and being absolutely kind of, you know, well, it is right. It is right that I do this, no matter what the consequences. Um, actually, maybe that does lead to some crap. And and that was, I mean, that was great. And that's kind of, that's the kind of, that was that was worth all the complete crap and the people saying, like, <laughs> I was interested in reading a book, but Jesus, there's no way I'm reading a book now <laughs> to make a couple of people think about that. Um, and then, and actually with everything that's happening with the kind of, um, I, I mean, I suspect I'm going to be complete, I'm hoping I'm going to be completely vindicated to the final series of Game of Thrones when um, actually what happened to Lyanna Stark and is kind of revealed, but because um, it's clear that it was basically Ned's fault she died as far as I can see. But, um, but anyway, um, but no, I mean, the couple, in fact, a couple of people were making it actually thinking again about that whole moral construct of um, Game of Thrones because of that piece. With me. That, that was kind of satisfying and nearly worth all the shit I got. And that's the kind of response I'm trying to get people to give. Do either of you now, when you're writing, are, is there any sort of like grim dark filter that you use in your writing process? Like, this is not, this is not grim, nearly grim enough. I need to grim this shit up. <laughs> I honestly, I, I never give it any thought whatsoever. Um, I like n- none of the books ever in have I ever once thought, oh, this needs to be grittier, darker, grimmer. It seriously could not be the farthest, you know, further from my mind. Like, I, I really am just trying to tell a story and I've got this story in my head and I've got these characters. And, and then I tell the story. And what I try to do is I, I try not to flinch from from scenes. My goal is to put the reader there. And so, I mean, sometimes that means you're going to be graphic. So I'm graphic, you know, and it's not for shock value. I like it's never occurred to me to try and write something shocking intentionally. Um, sometimes scenes are shocking, but they should be shocking. You know, it's you're trying to, you know, evoke some sort of emotional response from people. And, you know, so like I, I see the scene in my head and then I, I try and put it on paper. So actually when I I hadn't, it wasn't, I didn't really get on social media. I wasn't on social media at all for ages. And I was kind of really, when I, and when I was writing Broken Knives, I was really completely out of the fantasy scene completely. I'd had some real, um, I've talked about this elsewhere. I had real, cause I wasn't writing anything. And I was actually really just like avoiding even reading modern fantasy because I found it really, you know, all these people who've written books 
and I couldn't write. I seemed completely, completely unable to write a book. So when I came into writing Broken Eyes, I didn't know. You know, I hadn't. I didn't know anything about kind of the grimdark fantasy scene. The term I hadn't heard the term. I hadn't. You know, I barely read fantasy for years at that point because it was really. I just found it really quite painful. All these kind of all these people are writing these novels and getting them published, and I just felt I couldn't possibly manage to write a novel. And I mean, Broken Eyes was not in any way written to be a fantasy novel, let alone a grimdark fantasy, epic, let alone a kind of grimdark heroic high fantasy novel. It was just what was coming out, and I just started writing these the kind of the um, the fight some of the fight scenes. I just started writing them, and that was just me imagining what it would feel like having I've done a lot of res- historical research into um, combat and experiences of being in war. I've read a lot of accounts of first person accounts of being in war, and that I was just writing like how it would feel and how it how it might feel. And kind of my own my own feelings, my sort of absolute suspicion that most people do find fighting actually kind of profoundly enjoyable and also terrifying, but that there is a kind of intense kind of power and in fact kind of sexual pleasure in violence. And um, and I guess I say something. I mean, I I said that in I straight out said in a, a uh, event I did at a con over the summer that killing someone is gives most people an is an absolute massive turn on. And like a couple of people walked out at that point. <laughs> and I, kind of, I mean, you know, I say things like that, you know, I kind of, and I kind of, know, it's kind of, it's not to shock, to sh- just to kind of like, oh, look, I'm going to say this and it's going to shock you. It's to shock you because to make people think, well, actually, no, that, that's true. We don't, we try and pretend it's not true. But, you know, why is Trump always fucking banging on about nuclear weapons and stuff? Because it gives them a fucking massive hard on to bang on about nuclear weapons. And we, we all try and pretend, oh, I couldn't do it. Oh, it wouldn't. Oh, you know, oh, like, oh, I'd be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't collaborate. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't ever hurt anyone. I, I wouldn't join up. All oh, those, you know, people, some, there's something wrong with all those people, all those people in all those armies throughout all of fucking human history who have killed people and raped people and raised cities to the ground and done crap and raised, built towers of human heads. Oh, no, 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 there was something wrong with all of those people, all of those millions of people. There's something wrong with them. And us, no, we couldn't do it of course we could and of course we find a great deal of pleasure out of it and it does shock people to hear that because it's not a nice thing to hear someone say that we're all pretty capable of that kind of stuff but it's important to say it of course that's lovely pile of heads here i've been working on (laughs) (laughs) it's it's really important that we have to say that kind of stuff so yeah so no i mean i don't I kind of do, I, I kind of say it to shock, but to shock in the fact it's true, I guess. That kind of fits, it's the people who kind of muck around saying, oh no, it's only violence, it's only justified if it's it's if it's if in the right. And that's why I enjoy writing about violence because I enjoy reading about baddies getting whacked and, oh, it's so satisfying seeing good triumph. Like that is the kind of, that I find very depressing and I'm trying to write against. Yeah, the whole idea of good and evil and good guys, bad guys just seems uh, juvenile. It's dangerous as well because, I mean, do people really think that most people who are bad are bad and know they're bad? Most people are bad think that they're good. Most people, you know, you don't, no one, very, very few people in the world actually go around kind of cackling maniacally and twirling their moustaches and whoa, ha, ha, I'm doing this because it will lead to children suffering. Most people actually do really fucking awful things because they think it's for the best and think it's a good thing to do. And it's really, really dangerous to start talking about good and evil. Because it just it just makes people doing shit and saying that they're doing it for the good. Is there anything too dark or any any place that you won't go? Is there some places that, uh, that even Grimdark won't go into? Or I'm not even sure if this question makes sense, but... <clears throat> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, is anything too is anything too dark for Grimdark? I guess there there. I know for for myself there are scenes I won't write. I'm I'm not going to write a graphic uh, rape scene or anything like that. Yeah. I, I might allude to it, like uh, you know, uh, rapes have happened in my books, but you're never going to see them. You know, it's it's something that's happening, you know, in the background or it's you know like a cutscene kind of thing. Because, I mean, that shit happens, especially when you're looking at, you know, a world like the Manifest Illusions thing. Like, it ain't pretty. Um, but, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to write those scenes. Um, uh, being a father, I think, has probably changed me as well. Like, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know that I could write this, like, you know, some of the stuff that I did in uh, Beyond Redemption now. I'm not sure that it would be the same. So, I, I mean, for sure, there's, there's stuff I won't write just because I... I I don't want to, I don't want to see that in my head and for me to write that's that's how I do it you know I, I see it all first and then put it to paper so there're just there are scenes I don't want to see you yeah, know I won't I won't write rape scenes either I mean it's you know by the time we've been book 2 um the tower of living and dying you know it's this is I'm writing kind of fairly total war and you know it is fairly obvious there is a huge amount of sexual violence because when a city's been sacked a huge amount of sexual violence takes place. It, it has always one of the. I think when a city has fallen, what has then happened is a mass rape, the mass rape of pretty much most of the female inhabitants. And I don't gloss over that, but I'm not going to describe it because it, I'm not going to describe it in detail. What I really have no interest in doing is writing a rape scene from the point of view of a woman being raped because what's the fucking point? It's. I mean, I've been the victim of sexual violence. Most of my friends have. Several of my friends have. It's extremely unpleasant. It's also. It's just actually just fucking boring in some ways to read i mean who wants to read you know this it's just why well, you do not need to read and write that it's just kind of i'm interested in exploring things like how it how violence feel how it feels to commit violence i guess in some ways it might be interesting to write about a perfectly normal chap who get is in a situation where he they do not they are not entirely aware of the fact that what they're doing is sexual violence because that is fundamentally an interesting question to try and think about you know again people <laughs> Sexual violence is not something which does not happen, and it's not something which is only done by evil, strange, sadistic weirdos. There are a huge amount of sexual violence carried out by perfectly normal, apparently perfectly normal people. And to kind of explore the mindset of what is going on in terms of someone who seems to feel that having sex with an unconscious woman or forcing someone on the grounds that, you know, she was chatting to him and accepted a drink from him. So therefore, clearly, when she's saying no, clearly she actually means yes. I mean, to explore that would be maybe more interesting in some ways. But it just seems to me utterly pointless just to write kind of a scene about how unpleasant it is to have someone violating you because it's just most people can either have some experience or imagine what it's going to be like. And it's just, you know, it's not... What's the point? Just writing saying, oh, it's bad. Rape is bad. Well, I mean, whoa, kind of, <laughs> that's kind of, that's pointful, isn't it? And it's, it just seems a bit, it does just seem kind of, either you're writing it and it's, it is realistically pleasurable, in which case you really should not be putting that in a book and other people should not be reading it, or you're just, it's just boring. Yeah. No interest in, you know, titillating people with a, yeah. you know, thinly veiled erotica yes i mean i guess titillating people and then pointing out hey look you've just been titillated by a rape scene yeah, yeah that, that's probably quite that's interesting that's something i might be interested that's something that might be interested in doing but kind of you know it's no if writing is making people think a bit more in a bit more depth about what they're doing then just you know hey look i've just written a scene about a woman having someone press her legs apart kind of oh isn't that bad i mean it's just it's just pointless. Also, I won't. I don't. I won't use the word "cunt" um, because, again, totally hypocritically of me, I use 
I, I write violence, but I won't write, I write. I write extreme violence against men, but I won't write a rape scene. I write. I use words like sort of use insults about like dick and cock, and but I will not use cunt just because for me as a woman, the fact that the worst thing you can possibly, possibly, possibly in the entire fucking universe say about someone is you're a female. You you are the female genitalia. Just seems a bit kind of that just kind of just slightly that just upsets me a bit so i won't use the word cunt which is probably it's the only swear word i won't use any words you won't use michael like heck <laughs> hell no i don't i don't <laughs> no, i don't um yeah no no words i won't okay. use <clears throat> Do you have a yeah, favorite I, word that you uh, no, no not really my 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 thought on words is that uh there are no good words there are no bad words they're all just words people bring their own meaning to them their own reaction that's that's not really my problem so, you know, if you're going to be offended by something I say, that's that's your choice to be offended. So that's fine. Go ahead. Um, but I will I will use whatever word I need to use to sort of convey what it is I'm trying to convey. Mm-hmm. I always laugh when you see people who are like, oh, I don't I won't read Grimdark. I don't read Grimdark. It's like, yeah, do you know what it is? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like an entire sort of subgenre that you won't read. It's like, why? Seems so, but, right, somewhat somewhat ignorant if you're not fully educated into what the aspects of the subgenre has yes it has visceral reality but it also has heart and character and nuance and and even though there's immorality there's morality to be learned and et cetera, et cetera. So well yeah i mean that's the other thing that kind of really gets me a bit is that people kind of assume um that if you're writing this stuff it means that you think it's all wonderful or something you know you're writing kind of people I god knows what people must think people like me and Mike are like that we (laughs) (laughs) really do go around torturing kittens and stuff I've heard people talking about oh you know um the next um oh it's Ed McDonald's term Grimheart which makes me want to vomit because he's like oh well it's like like oh it's a dark and horrible world but in the the, heart you know in in the bottom people have heart and kind of you know care about each other and you're like Oh, no one wants to read a book. No one is going to read a book or is going to write a book that is just about, you know, it's actually just about horrible people in a horrible world. And then it's all just, you know, horrible. The fact that this is there is so much love in Mike's books. Mike's books are so much about people who love each other so much. They are all wonderfully romantic. And, you know, I was de- when I was reading Storm of Steel, I was just so desperate, you know, with the fact that, oh, I was just so desperate for it to be a love story that worked out because, you know, these are, there's just so much love. And I, I like, you know, I, I try and write kind of happy scenes and scenes about love and in fact someone complained that my books have got way too much emotion way too much human emotion in them and are way too much about people people kind of about love and people feeling happy and people talking about expressing feelings for each other and caring about each other because it wouldn't be an interesting book and it certainly wouldn't be there wouldn't be any kind of there wouldn't be any emotion or any pathos in it if it didn't have that if it didn't have a kind of Obviously, we're, writing, we're not writing about evil people that are just vile. We're writing about complicated real people in a complicated real world. Hmm. So, yeah, kind of people have such a kind of misrepresentation that Grimdark is just fucking horrible stuff happens to horrible people. And then it all ends horribly. Yeah, it's, you know, it's horrible people doing their best and failing badly. Yes. <laughs> people are just, most, most of us just... So people making mistakes, life going, you know, people, people genuinely trying to trying to do to do their hardest, to try their hardest to actually kind of just to care, just to be alive and just kind of let the people that they care about manage. And then, you know, of course, there's there's hope and there's love and there's feelings. It just, yeah, tends to go wrong because most things do. 
Do you guys still think that maybe Grimdark still kind of gets pigeonholed as the subgenre to stay away from just because of the associated themes that come along with it? There certainly seems to be a, uh, you know, a, a portion of the uh, the reading public who want to avoid that, who want to avoid anything dark or gritty. And there's this sort of um, mostly sort of misunderstanding, misapprehension where they think that like grimdark writers are trying to be grimdark because i remember talking to i've talked to pretty much every quote-unquote grimdark writer that anyone's heard of i've talked to them and said did you try and write grimdark and not one of them did not one of them gave it any thought you know we're trying to write to a genre each and every one of them were just writing a story um myself like beyond redemption I'd never even heard of Grimdark when I wrote it. I was I wrote it in 2009. Never heard of Grimdark at the time. Well, you know, it wasn't until my agent mentioned it. Um, so, so like, you know, and then, you know, just recently, uh, last week, somebody wrote a review on Goodreads and was like, oh, you know, another Grimdark wannabe trying too hard to be Grimdark. And it's like, what? No, it's like, you're exactly wrong. So, you know, I there seems to be some, some misunderstanding as to, to what, you know, what Grimdark is and, uh, it's kind of interesting the uh, the noble bright idea, which I mean looks like this sort of. That was just a spoof. Someone's I've been told several times that is ju- that whole thing, the whole like that's just an internet spoof, but it seems to have like become a real thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, wait, so I don't I don't know whether yeah. it's real or not. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I mean, yo, I, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a funny idea, a funny reaction. There's always that um that uh, shift back and forth from tastes from lighter fantasy to darker fantasy. It kind of goes back and forth. And maybe that's just the uh, first inclination that maybe things are shifting back towards a lighter tone in the spectrum, but I don't think so. I think uh, Grimdark continues to grow and develop. 2017 was an amazing year for uh, Grimdark and for debut authors, and no doubt 2018 will be an amazing year for uh, Grimdark sequels and uh, Dark Fantasy, so I'm excited to see what happens, and the subgenre continues to grow, and uh, the show continues to uh, go forth and prosper, and uh, Grimdark, I think, is continuing to develop and evolve, and the community is no doubt an awesome group of artists and a collective of great minds and cool people and very accepting and uh yeah it's great to be a part of the community and uh, i'm great to have you guys a part of the community as well so good shit um fuck the haters (laughs) we we love you too rob we love you too (laughs) well that was a that was a grim conversation i think that's a good catch-up for everybody on um what's been going on lately with both michael R. Fletcher and Aneth Smith-Spark. Uh, are there any other things that we wanted to to cover before we wrap up this grim conversation? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like yeah, a resounding no. no. That's a resounding no. no. Yeah, yeah, no. Can't yeah. think of anything. We, I think we, we, uh, we hit pretty much everything. Gemmels. Go for me and the gemmels or the gemmels okay. even. I, I need a statue of a naked man holding two morning stars. I really do. Come on. <laughs> vote for me. Vote for me. Yes, be sure to vote for Aneth Spark for the Court of Broken Knives. Uh, for the Morningstar Award, you can go to gamelawards.com and put in your vote. It's an open vote, so if you have a internet browser, you can just go over there and uh, put in your vote before March 30th. And then the, after that, they'll announce the shortlist, and uh, be sure to check out... Uh, and then you can vote for me again on the shortlist. Yes. <laughs> Make it happen, people. <clears throat> yep. Um, so let's give people um, some website information and um, get this some bitch wrapped up here. Uh, Michael, where can folks find you online? Uh, so my webpage, uh, michaelrfletcher.com. Weird, I know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as uh, at FletcherMR. 
I'm on Facebook as Michael R. Fletcher. Again, strange, random, but, you know, there you go. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, probably the best place if you want to, like, you know, for some strange reason, interact with me. Uh, join the uh, Grimdark Readers and Writers uh, Facebook group because uh, I'm pretty much there all the time. Very cool. And then um, anything – nothing's coming out uh, 2018. So 2019 will probably be the, the next release for you. Yeah. Um, actually, I, my bet is late 2018 I will have a book out. It will be self-published. I'm just not sure which one yet. Okay. <laughs> Lots of things in the works. So, Oh, uh, yeah. And then Anna Smith Spark, uh, it's quarterbrokenknives.org or the quarterbrokenknives.org. Yep. Just quarterbrokenknives.org. Quarter okay. And then on Facebook, I'm Anna Smith Spark. And I've also got a Facebook author page, Anna Smith Spark, as well. And then on Twitter, I'm at Queen of Grimdark, which was completely Mike's idea ages ago and has now completely stuck. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm on Reddit and Instagram as well, but I never go on either of those two. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very occasionally on Reddit. Um, actually, I'm I'm a book of the week on uh, I'm book of the month at Reddit Fantasy at the moment, which is kind of exciting. There's a whole group discussing broken knives, and I I'm too scared to possibly have a look and find out they're doing a read along, and I'm too scared. I'm you're not gonna you're not gonna scared. poke around and see what everybody's saying over there. No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> no. See, I'm I'm terrible for that. Anytime there's like somebody doing a read along or a group read of one of my books, like I'm 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 in there stocking <laughs> reading every every day. It's like I'm just a glutton for pain and punishment. I, just, I can't bear it. I just oh I can't bear it. I can't I can't bear reading reviews. I just can't like I can't bear it. Someone tags me in a review and it's just the most painful thing. Just knowing I have to open it up and respond and oh I can't. I really I find reviews. Yeah, I love it when people thanks. tag you on. You get tagged on a shitty review. <laughs> like thanks, thanks so much for drawing this to my attention. Yes. No, there was a whole. There was, now fuck there was, off. There was on my point last summer where um, shortly after Broken Knives come out, and there were four different Facebook discussions where someone had basically posted something in Fancy Faction or Grim Dark Writers and Readers saying, "Christ, the approach of Broken Knives is fucking shit, isn't it?" And then there are all these people defending me and other people arguing. And at one point, seriously, there were four different conversations going on about whether or not my book was any good, and people were saying, "Like, oh, it's amazing," and people were saying, "No, no, it's fucking awful." And it was just, "Oh my god." It's like, it's like, a sizable but a miserable portion of my Facebook page is people arguing about my book. I just, oh my god, <laughs> must be surreal. <laughs> totally surreal. Yeah, just um, oh, just completely, completely. Um, yeah, and then my mum buying copies for all her, getting all her friends to read it. And one of my <laughs> friends, like, kind of said, oh. she thought it was very well written, but. <laughs> <laughs> When are ARCs for uh, book two coming out? Oh, um, I don't know, actually. Um, oh. Book two comes out in the summer. I have no idea when the ARCs coming out. But yeah, The Tower of Living and Dying is out this summer. I have no idea when uh, ARCs coming out. I'm hoping there's going to be an exclusive extract or something in Grimdark magazine close to the time. But I have no idea when the ARCs are coming out or what's happening with any of that stuff. Um, you will both obviously be down for ARCs. Awesome. When they ha- awesome. Yeah. I have no idea when they're happening. I'm flying all the way up to California for Worldcon in the summer. So um, please come say hi to me, people, if you see me around, because um, it's the first time I've ever been to America, mm. so I'm slightly scared. But and I'm flying. It's gonna. It's a, something like something like a 12 hour flight, and it's the most expensive single item I've ever bought in my life. Is the plane ticket thing. So come and talk to me, because I will not be happy if after all that. It, I'm just wandering around on my own. So now come and talk to me. Come and talk to me, everyone. Worldcon 2018 San Jose. I'm going to be there too. I've got uh, plans Yay. to attend. So it's going to be a IRL grim. It is meeting of magnitude. It's going to be cool. So, 
Should be lots of fun. Well, that's been uh, great to catch up with both of my grim buddies, Michael R. Fletcher and Anna Smith Spark. Uh, be sure to check us out uh, on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction. Again, drop by our Facebook group at Grim Dark Fiction. Readers and writers, you can uh, visit us on Patreon if you'd like to support the show uh, for only $3 a month. Patreon.com slash The Grim Tidings Podcast. Always appreciate your support. As always, thanks again for listening to the show. Be sure to join us again for the next episode. And if you like the show, please drop by and leave us a review on iTunes. Maybe leave us five stars. Uh, leave us a rating and review. That would be most kind of you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time right here on The Grim Tidings Podcast. Tra, tally-ho. Thanks. Bye. Cheerio, then. <laughs> <laughs> Toodle-tip. <laughs> Oh, yes, and Dirk Ashton. I will <laughs> uncover the truth. Dirk Ashton. Ashton, Dirk. Okay. Hey, it's Rob from the Grim Tidings Podcast, here with a chance for you to win a pair of passes to Wizard World Portland, happening April 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Oregon Convention Center in Portland. I have a pair of three-day passes to give away, all you have to do is email us at grimdarkfiction at gmail.com. That's grimdarkfiction at gmail.com. In the subject line, write Wizard World Rocks. In the body, please include your name and address, and we'll pick a random winner on Sunday, April 1st. Must be 18 to enter, and this contest is limited to Oregon and Washington residents only. But don't be mad, Wizard World events travel across the country all summer long, including Boise, Chicago, Austin, Philadelphia, and many, many more. Wizard World Comic Con, live in Portland at the Oregon Convention Center, April 13th, 14th, and 15th. Find out more and get your tickets at wizardworld.com.